following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Okay. Well, just a sec. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. That's on page 859 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. So we're going to look at the record of uh, Luke's record of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness this morning. Uh, but before we look at Luke's record, I want to first read from the book of Hebrews to give us an idea of the purpose of this passage in Luke. So two different passages from Hebrew. You don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, you can write it down. Hebrews 2 17 and 18, and Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It says, He had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiations for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, He is able to help those who are being tempted. And then from chapter 4. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, as we turn our attention to your word this morning, we pray your spirit would speak. That you would mold us and make us into your image by the power of the spirit through faith in your son. Lord, help us to see the truth of your word. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And hearts that are happy to apply the principles that we learn from your word this morning. Mess us up, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, understanding that Jesus had to be made like us in every respect, who was tempted in every way we are tempted, yet without sin. When we look at Luke chapter 4, we can see that Jesus indeed was tempted in every way that we are tempted. And he also provided a strategy for dealing with that temptation. It's not just ho-hum, I did it, you can do it. There are strategies here. So let's take a look at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness and consider the image of the whole conflict of the Christian life. 
So Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. May the Lord's blessing be on his word this morning. So, here we have Jesus, fresh off his baptism, fresh off hearing the voice from heaven, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, fresh off the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness for 40 days. The scholars believe that this wilderness that Jesus was led into is near the Dead Sea, just north of the Dead Sea, and I can attest to the fact that it is still a wilderness. Um, not the wilderness like we live in, because you could consider it that. This uh, wilderness is, is a word that just doesn't do it. This is a desert a dry, rocky, desolate place. Nobody lived there. And Jesus fasted there for 40 days and was tempted by the devil. So there are some quick hit facts that we can learn from this passage. Um, first of all, because we know that Jesus is without sin, though he was tempted in every way, just like us, Temptation to sin is not sin. I'll reel that back. Being tempted is not sinning. Okay? Yeah, okay. I just, you know, I, I want to be clear. I want to make sure that you get this. Because often we feel defeated when we are just faced with temptation. I've already lost, right, to the temptation. When there's still time to say no, there's still time to run away. First Corinthians 
chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When I read that passage, I I always seem to go back to the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. It's an Old Testament story where uh, Joseph uh, was sold into slavery and and he's working for this guy named Potiphar. Uh, And Potiphar's wife... um, Hmm... Wanted, uh, lusted after Joseph. I, I just call it what it is. And she was after him all the time. And he's trying to do his job. He's trying to serve his master. He's trying to do what he has been tasked to do. Uh, and that was not what he was tasked to do. And she was after him all the time. And he just continually ran and ran and ran. Every time she came after him, he would run away. And the last time she came after him, he ran away and she grabbed his cloak off him and he took off. It was a cloak that his father made for him. But he ran. I, I, that's the, he wasn't like, no, ma'am. Please, no. Please, ma'am. No, 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 no. He's out of there. Took off, right? There's a lesson for us there. When we're tempted to send bail. Just run. It's fine. There's, you don't have to stand and fight. Run. Okay? So that was for me. You're welcome to join me in that. There is always, always, always a way out of temptation. The question is whether or not we're looking for it, whether or not we welcome it, or if we prefer the temptation. That's a question that we all have to wrestle with. We have to be willing to look for the way out and avail ourselves of it when we are facing temptation to sin. So, because Jesus was without sin, we know that temptation is not sin because Jesus was tempted in every way just like us. So, that's important to know. The second quick hit fact is that the devil is very, very real. And he is very, very powerful. The devil is not just a concept or just a symbol of evil. The devil is not a mythical figure. He is not a little red imp with pointy horns and a pointy tail and a pitchfork. That's Bugs Bunny. (laughs) The devil is, you're welcome. The devil is very real. He is very powerful, but he is not omnipotent. He is not all powerful. The other thing to know about that is he wants you dead. Not just dead, dead, but like all the way dead. He wants you destroyed. He wants you to turn from your faith in Jesus and die so that you die apart from Christ and are destroyed. That's what the devil wants for you. Okay? That's important for us to remember because we have a very real enemy and he is not to be toyed around with. But the word does say, greater is he who is in in us, in you, than he who is in the world. The one who is in us is Christ by faith, the Holy Spirit filling us, and he is far greater than the devil could ever try to be. We need to remember that. 
So as we consider um, the temptations of Jesus, these three temptations that the gospel lists for us, we can keep those things in mind. Um, Jesus obviously thought the devil was a very real entity because he talks to him. Um, Jesus was tempted, but he didn't sin. It also shows us a way out of temptation, a way to fight it, a strategy. Jesus had a very real strategy. And this is going to maybe seem like basic, basic, basic. But if we don't excel at the basics, how can we move on to anything deeper? Verse 1 says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. There's a life verse for you. Didn't eat for 40 days. When they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus said, Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Now, there's only a a couple of times where we actually uh, can read the words of Satan in Scripture, this being one of them and the the different gospel accounts of this uh, of this event, but also the temptation in the garden, the Garden of Eden in Genesis. Right. And uh, and Job as well. Right. Uh, There's a couple of things to note about that. Uh, Number one, the devil needed permission to do this. He is not all powerful. He cannot operate outside of God's uh, power. Okay, so he asked permission from God to tempt Job. Uh, I am sure he is there by permission to tempt Jesus. uh, And as well as in the garden. And Satan starts with questioning God's word. If you are the son of God. He just said, right, in chapter 3, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Well, so if that's really true, is that really true? Well, if it was, then you don't need to be hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. Now, if you've ever tried that, I'm good like 40 minutes or so and things start working here. But 40 days, that is a miraculous provision. All right. So in this first assault, what is it that the devil is tempting Jesus with? If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Is this really just a matter of getting something to eat? You're hungry. How about some bread? Is that really what Jesus needed at that moment? Is that really what... Satan is trying to get him to do. Just satiate your hunger? I don't think so. It says that after 40 days, he was hungry. You know, what's the harm? Turning that stone into a cold cut combo. You know, just a six inch. It doesn't have to be the foot long. Well, the answer to the question, what is Jesus really being tempted with? What is the devil really after? The answer to that is found in Jesus' response. Uh, And you'll notice a pattern maybe in Jesus' responses to these temptations. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'd like to read that, um, a larger context of of his response. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. This is the Lord speaking. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. 
And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years in the wilderness. It's thrown out there. Uh, You shall remember the whole way that the Lord has led you uh, these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Any sounding familiar at all? And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Now, we sing the song often here, Christ the true and better Adam, Christ the true and better Isaac, Christ the true and better Moses. What's happening in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is a shadow of this account of Jesus in the wilderness. What was at stake for Jesus? What was the devil really attacking? He was attacking Jesus' trust in the Father to provide his needs. Now, I used to read this passage and say, all right, well, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, when you're hungry, read your Bible. Oh, you can. Um, but that's not what Jesus is saying, right? Just flip to Deuteronomy when you want a sandwich. He's saying, rather, it's not the physical bread that's doing the job of sustaining you. It's, it's God. It's not just God's word, capital W, meaning the Bible. It, it means the command of God is what is keeping you alive. You are here because God wants you here. You breathe in and out every day because that's what God wills. That's exactly what Jesus is saying to the devil. Bread's got nothing to do with whether or not I live or die. I'm here because God wants me here. The Father has a plan. He is working it out, and I want to be in the middle of that. We we can have that same thing. I think the number one thing, number one fear that we struggle with as people is the fear of death, the fear of dying. Why? We every breath is given to us by God. When he decides that's the last one, are you, do you really want to argue with him? He knows better than you. And oftentimes, because we're after what we want, we get a lot less than what is available to us. That wasn't in the notes. That's a freebie. Just as the Father provided manna in the wilderness for Israel, he could provide for Jesus. As the Son of God, he could have turned a stone into bread, but that would only be using the power available to him to serve himself, which is totally contrary to God's purpose for him in the world. But what about the second temptation? What's under attack there? Look at verse 5. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me 
and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I read a lot of commentaries about this and there is considerable pointless discussion as to whether or not could the devil really take Jesus to, you know, how high was that mountain? What mountain was that? Was that Mount Horeb? Oh, Mount, it was Mount Pisgah. What? He took him up to a place where he could see everything. Is that in his mind? Did he physically take him up? Can you imagine what point there would be to deciding one way or the other? All we know is that the devil was able to show him the kingdoms of the world, display their glory, and say, you want it, you can have it. Bow your knee to me. That's all you got to do. Just bow to me, and you can have all this stuff. Well, we know that the devil is a liar, and has been a liar from the beginning. Was all that authority and glory his? Actually, yes. The Bible does say that he is the prince of the power of the air, He has authority over kingdoms and things like that. Is that authority his to give away? No, it's not. There's a whole other discussion there. What is the devil offering Jesus? Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 through 8 says, The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten of you. I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. The nations already belong to Jesus. The devil is offering an empty promise. And if the nations were already Jesus' heritage and the ends of the earth his possessions, what was the devil really offering? The devil was offering a way to take possession of the nations and the ends of the earth without the cross. Without the agony of the scourge, without the nails, without the tomb. All Jesus had to do, according to Satan, was to turn from God's will, turn from God's plan and bow to Satan. What does he get? The authority of the nations, of course, under the devil. Didn't mention that part. The backside of the card that you sign. What do we get? Eternal destruction. Death. Because there's no redemption for us without the cross. That's what the devil wanted. You dead forever. That's what he was offering. What was Jesus' response? Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'll add a little context there to help us understand. Deuteronomy 6, 13 says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him uh, Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from the face of the earth. The Lord. If you, if you look in your Bible and you see the word Lord written in all capital letters, this is just an interesting Bible trivia. Uh, the translators 
it's not the same word for Lord, like in Greek is Kyrios. In Hebrew, it's Yahweh. They just change it to Lord instead of writing Yahweh. I haven't figured that one out, but that's what it is. So when you see that, it is Yahweh, your God, you shall fear, Father. And by his name shall you swear. For Yahweh, your God, in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of Yahweh, your God, be kindled against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. It is Yahweh, the Father, that we shall serve. So the devil tries a new tactic. He says, fine, fine, fine. You've got scripture. Let me read some scriptures for you. I I bet this has never happened to you. Somebody reads you some obscure thing from the Bible they've taken out of context. Well, the devil tries it too. Chapter, uh, verse 9, sorry, of chapter 4. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on, the hands, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So, what is the temptation here? What is it that the devil is attacking? Well, for the first time ever, I'm sure, and the last time, nobody's ever done this before, the devil twists the scripture in order to tempt Jesus to put God's power on display in full view in the most public place there was. Now, in my flannel graph memory of this little lesson, there's the temple and there's Jesus and then there's the devil who's always just a guy with a hood. You can't see his face. Thank you. Flannel graph manufacturers. Uh, And then Jesus goes to the pinnacle of the temple. You know, and the hooded guy is doing this number, but there's nobody else. So this is the temple in Jerusalem. It is the holy guts of the world. It is the center of all things religious on the earth. There's three major religions that fight over it all the time. Jesus is taken by the devil to the very tallest part in full view, or at least in this, whatever this is, vision or or whatever, to the most public place. And the devil says, go ahead and jump because the angels are going to swoop down and pick you up. So what's the temptation? If Jesus was to jump off the top of the temple... Everybody would see that. Everybody would see angels swoop in to keep him from falling to his death because that's what the word of God promises, right? Everybody would see it. Everybody would see that guy that just jumped and whoop, that's the Messiah. Let's go get him. Let's go worship him. Doesn't that sound like a good plan? What's the temptation? the exact same as the other two temptations. Turn from the Father's plan because it will be a lot easier for you. 
all of that trouble. Jesus knew about the cross. Jesus knew about his friends deserting him. Jesus knew about being left alone hanging on that tree. And the devil's like, man, just, it's going to be so much easier, so much better. Just come over here and do it this way. What does Jesus gain? Right? Okay, Messiah, right? Whatever. What do we gain? Destruction. Jesus responds, believe it or not, with Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not put Yahweh, your God, to the test. As you tested him at Massa. You can look up Exodus 17 to get the explanation of what that is, that story. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of Yahweh, that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that Yahweh swore to give your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you, as Yahweh has promised. The devil says, just do it my way. It's going to be a lot easier. Jesus says, no, the plan is not for me. It's for you. It's for us. The temptation of Jesus in the wilderness is an image of the conflict of the Christian life. And it is constantly under attack. Our trust in God, our trust in God's plan. That is what the devil is after. Turn from that. Turn from my way to my way. It's easier. No more grief. Just forget about all of that self-sacrifice and service and love your neighbor, all of that junk. What matters is your happiness. <laughs> Jesus was tempted over and over again to depart from the will of God and to stop trusting him. The devil tried to motivate Jesus with a sense of entitlement. You deserve to eat of pride. Just do it my way. You'll be better off. Of ease and celebrity. Just let them see you fall and the angels will pick you up and everybody will worship you. You know that's true. These temptations are not uncommon to us. Sense of entitlement. You deserve happiness. You do. No, you don't. You deserve to be treated good. You're worth it. No, you don't. No, you're not. You deserve to have it easy. You deserve for people to recognize just how terrific you are. No, you don't. What do you deserve? Death. The wages of sin is death. You sinned. You deserve to die. Jesus says, no, that's not the program. Jesus died in our place. Not because we deserve it, but because of God's grace. A gift we didn't earn, we don't deserve. 
John Calvin wrote, The Son of God did not choose to undertake any contest of an unusual description, but to sustain assaults in common with us, that we might be furnished with the same armor and might entertain no doubt as to achieving the victory. Though we don't deserve these good things, God saw fit to give them to us in Jesus, through faith in Jesus, not apart from that, not apart from him. And Jesus was faced with every temptation that we'll ever be faced with, and he found the way out. He resisted temptation. He turned from it, turned from the devil, and the devil had to flee. In every way, Jesus was tempted to reject God's will, to stop trusting him. And in every case, what did Jesus answer with? Scripture. It is written, right? Ephesians chapter 6. Write this down. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Look, I don't know if you're into scripture memorization. Get into it. Start with this. Because this, this is exactly what Jesus did. He did exactly this thing. He put on this same armor and was able to withstand the devil, to resist him. The devil was asking Jesus, isn't enjoyment better than hunger? Isn't satisfaction better? Isn't honor better than shame? Isn't, isn't riches better than poverty? Isn't life better than death? I think if we're honest, we, we're tempted to say yes to that. Is it better to be full than to be hungry? Well, of course. Isn't it better to have all the money that you need? Of course. Isn't it better to be thought of well by your friends and neighbors? Of course. You know better than that, right? No. If it's outside of God's will, no. If it's God's will for you to be hungry, be hungry for the glory of God. If it's God's will for you to be shamed, then be shamed for the glory of God. If it's his will for you to be poor in this life, in this world, for his glory, then do it for his glory. We all want life to be easy, don't we? That's what the devil is promising Jesus. Is that what you want? <laughs> the answer is still yes. I know it is. Does that mean it's good? No. 
Jesus proved that hard doesn't always equal bad. What matters is that we trust the Lord, whether we perceive our circumstances as good or bad or hard or easy. We have to follow the Lord, even if we walk through the fire. The victory is found in trusting the Lord, and he has already paid the penalty for all the times you are going to fail. Can you say amen to that? He has paid the penalty for all the times you have failed already, all the times you failed on your way in here this morning, and all the times you are going to fail in the future that are paid for. Jesus' blood is enough to wash away those sins. The victory is found in trusting him. Jesus trusted the Father even though it meant his death. In our place, we must also trust the Lord and follow him no matter the cost for his glory alone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for all you have done for us. We're thankful for this example of Jesus to show us strategies to resist temptation, to know your word. Help us, Lord, in the evil time to stand fully clothed in your armor. God, may we be ready to face the temptations that are on our way that are happening to us even now. Help us, Lord, to stand firm. Help us to trust you in all things, whether our circumstances are perceived to be good or bad. Help us, Lord, to remember that your glory is greater than our good. That your glory really is for our good. Help us to have a right understanding of what good really is. And what is good is your will, your glory. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.